Hello, listener, and welcome to Straight Shot Health Talk. This is the podcast that provides honest and straightforward information about health, wellness, and how to survive our crazy healthcare system. This is for people who want to focus on getting well instead of just treating symptoms. Sound like you? Then let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. This is your host, Dr. Kevin. And today I, I want to take you through an article that ended up in my my inbox, my email inbox, as I have told people on past episodes, I have all these little alarms and alerts and stuff that, that basically fill up my email inbox every day, which maybe I should pare it down a little bit, but I just have this, I don't know, this hunger to keep on top of things and learn. But anyway, this was one about um, atrial fibrillation, which we have touched on briefly in a past episode. But what atrial fibrillation is, is you got to remember your heart has four chambers. There's the top chambers, which are known as the atria. And then the bottom of the heart is the ventricles. The ventricles are the big, strong, muscular ones that pump the, the heart, the blood out of the heart. And the atria basically pump the blood into those ventricles. All right. And what happens with atrial fibrillation is generally, uh, you know, the atria and the the ventricles of your heart, they contract uh, sequentially and basically in a, uh, a very nice, steady pattern. This is why our hearts go bump, 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 bump. Okay, that, that steady rhythm uh, is very important, whether it's fast, bump, 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 or if it's slow, bump, 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 bump. That, uh, that you want that nice, regular rhythm. Now, what happens with atrial fibrillation is when the atria, those top little chambers, or that top changer in the heart, they start firing um, differently. They start going a little kooky, and they start beating to a different drummer, per se. And this is classically called irregular uh, irregular heartbeat. So irregular, irregularly irregular heartbeat, meaning that there, there is no pattern to it. There's no rhyme or rhythm to it. It's completely chaotic. And what you get then is the atria going, and then you'll have the, the bottom ventricle part that squeezes out the blood, go blah. And so it's like that, 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 irregularly irregular. And this can cause all sorts of problems. Not only does it have problems for um, cardiovascular health because you uh, have problems with blood flow, but also has problems with um, uh, strokes occurring. Because when that, when they're not, when your heart isn't firing and that beat isn't, isn't working the way it's supposed to, uh, you get pools of blood. In, just like if you had a, um, if you took milk and you put it through, and you say you had a, uh, I'm trying to think, a fountain with milk in it or whatever, and that fountain is flowing normally, as long as the milk is flowing, uh, it doesn't, it's not going to clotter or pool up. But if you put that milk in and you put it in a situation where now instead of flowing through that fountain um, nice, there's areas of kind of turbulence, and then they have little pools or eddies if you're a if you're a kayaker that form behind rocks those little pools where the where that milk gets still uh, can start clotting and blood's very similar so blood when it gets into these pools in the body or gets in these little eddy currents um, will clot and those clots can then be kicked out um, meaning they can pop out of those little pools going through the bloodstream and that can cause um, strokes if that goes up into your brain um, if it goes into your lungs it can cause something called a pulmonary embolus you know, um, those are a little bit rare with atrial fibrillation, but uh, they can cause problems. So it's not something that we really want to have done. Now, this particular article was really fantastic. All right. And this was by um, Dr. John Mandrola. 
I'm hoping I'm saying that correctly, who is a electrophysiologist. That means he's a cardiologist. He's a heart doctor who then did a fellowship in um, electrophysiology. So he's studying these heart rhythms and to, you know, the standard way, just like most of our fellowships is really so you can learn how to do something uh, to those heart rhythms. Again, not, not necessarily prevent or anything, but actually do something. So like for me, I did a fellowship in pain so I could stick needles in people. Uh, Dr. Mandrola did a fellowship in electrophysiology so we could understand these heart rhythms. And then a lot of that training, it, it seems that, you know, they, they learn these really technical procedures where they go in and they will go into the heart and they'll actually, uh, they'll burn um, areas in the heart to stop these, these aberrant heart rates, these little crazy you know, electrical signals in your heart from taking place. Okay. Complex operation um, has some significant risks associated with it, uh, may correct atrial fibrillation, um, but there are getting some risks and you may have to have it done in the past. But anyway, um, what I liked about this is, is cardiologists, again, they're a very high paid specialty, just like pain is, right? We have a lot of stuff invested in doing things because it reimburses so well. But this article was just absolutely fantastic and it really was his description of how you know he he changed his idea of atrial fibrillation as a disease process so i just want to tell you to take you through this article and then i'm going to point out some things because this is not just about atrial fibrillation this is about health okay um so basically when he starts off with his article and i will put links to this the links to the article will be at straightshothealth.com uh, so you can go read it yourself. There is no, you know, sometimes these medical websites, no, this one you don't have to do anything for. Uh, you, you should be fine. All right. So he said before um, he saw atrial fibrillation as a disease rather than seeing it as a result of other diseases. Okay. Key right there. He says that explains why our treatments, drugs and ablation have performed so poorly. Right. He also says it is wrong. It is a wrong target problem. It is akin to stenting an artery and saying atherosclerosis is fixed, or prescribing an antipyretic, which is a uh, anti-fever medication, for a bacterial infection. Okay, so that's what he saw as before. Is basically um, seeing this atrial fibrillation is a disease in, unto itself. Okay, that atrial fibrillation was the disease rather than a result of a bunch of other things happening in the body. Okay. And so his viewpoint has changed and he said, you know, atrial fibrillation in the vast majority of patients, again, vast majority, there are always exceptions to the rule with anything. Always, always, always. One of the problems that we have with being human is we happen to think that we are usually the exception and more often we are not. All right. But for the vast majority of his patients, uh, he found that atrial fibrillation is something awry in the body. Okay. Usually exposure to an excess. All right. Um, and we're going to clarify that in just a second here. And he go, continues, though, the ACA with their sensitivity to stretch, okay, because they, they do, they stretch. Uh, your body, your heart sort of expands when the blood goes in there. Um, they have extensive neural connections. There's a lot of nerves that go down into your heart, obviously, that, because there's a lot of connection because the blood from your heart needs to be pumped up to the brain to keep it awake. And so there's some big connectivities here. Anyway, the, but the atria, with all the sensitivity, with all these connections to your brain, are basically a window into overall health. I really like that kind of analogy there. So he went through a process where he spent year after year, year again, being an electrophysiologist, watching drugs fail and atrial fibrillation return after these operations called ablation, where you go in and you basically burn these channels into the heart wall. And he said, it's a relief to better understand atrial fibrillation and be able to cite evidence that supports the concept that the atria fibrillate for a reason. 
uh, and that that reason really is the is the main therapeutic target. I, again, going after the source of, of the problem, not doing a symptomatic therapy, which is so much of what we do in medicine. We treat symptoms. Even when we say we're actually treating something, um, and we see this all the time in the pain world, we're not treating really the source. We're treating a symptom. All right, so uh, he now he's, he's quotes some literature here, but um, some researchers in Australia first used animal models because all our research basically starts with an animal model, and then they duplicated it in humans that showed that promoting basic health, basic health, we're going to touch on that, dramatically improves atrial fibrillation. And he also mentions that that results of that taught how atrial fibrillation happens. And he, again, our caveats that we always have to add with anything medical, although work remains because we don't know any everything for sure and we have to always make sure everybody understands that we can never provide 100% guarantees. Um, he says it's clear that lifestyle diseases via pressure and volume-induced stretch. Again, so that's the heart. Your blood's going into and out of it, so it's stretching and moving. Inflammation, which is the process um, we've talked about in the past, uh, that your body uses inflammation to heal, but chronically over time, if you're you, if it's on a lot, it doesn't heal anymore. Now it's tearing down and causes thickening in arteries and um, problems throughout your body. Neural imbalances it's to do with you know the way that things are firing in your body it can induce disease in and around the cells of the heart. Now. What he said, and which I really like, is he said the coolest part about this da- data are that treatment of lifestyle diseases, lifestyle diseases, of which most of what we are d- directing medical care to. Remember, 70% of every healthcare dollar in the United States goes to the treatment of chronic diseases. Almost all chronic diseases are diseases of lifestyle and behavior. Uh, but treatment towards the disease, treatment to those lifestyle, changing that lifestyle and removing those excesses, which we'll touch on, not only reduced atrial fibrillation, but also improved the structure of the heart. Imagine that. If you actually address the issue, the issue that is causing these symptoms to develop, people will get better. Okay? Uh, and even he mentions that the fibrosis, which is scarring, the scarring in the heart, and we have scarring throughout our body over time due through inflammation and injury, that scarring can improve. All right? Now, um, What's interesting also is he talks about how this new upstream approach to atrial fibrillation is is not no longer a radical idea. And it's really unfortunate that in medicine that any of this stuff that we talk about actually going after lifestyle and behavior as a as a source of of a foundation for disease um, even needs to be termed radical. Because he also says that all the you know, nearly all the leaders in cardiology agree, yes. And it's amazing to me how often in medicine we have all these quote unquote leaders that talk about lifestyle and behavior, and yet the system itself doesn't change. All right. Um, he mentions that it should change how people treat atrial fibrillation, fibrillation uh, and really, really recognizing that the idea that atrial fibrillation, that fixing atrial fibrillation with drugs or these ablation, these burning surgeries is wrong, is as wrong as thinking that if you stent someone, you know, put in, if someone has a, uh, a tightened or squeezing artery because of atherosclerosis and plaques in there, that if we just stent, you know, prop it open with a stent that somehow we fix that, that atherosclerosis or that thickening, or that if we give somebody something for a fever, cures infection, that is all absolutely false. All we're doing with any of those is we're treating a symptom. Now, sometimes, as we talked about in the past, treating those symptoms are important. If you are having the symptoms of a heart attack, 
and you are, you know, you're, you're having lack of oxygen and, and lack of blood to your heart walls, then you need a stent to open it up to get that wrong, to get that out. That's what we are very good at in medicine. But if you are thinking that having that stent or taking those drugs are, are fixing your heart or fixing the source of whatever is, is causing that heart issue in the first place, dead wrong. It's treating the symptom. All right. Uh, he also puts a caveat in here, which I do agree. Which I just sort of said he's basically he's saying that he's not saying that drugs for atrial fibrillation or ablation surgery for atrial fibrillation have no role. Okay, and I agree with that too. There's a time and place, just like I said, when you need to have where surgeries are appropriate, where drugs are appropriate. But the role is much much smaller than what we're doing with them now. Okay. Um, is another paragraph in here where he talks about antiarrhythmic drugs as long-term care therapy. He doesn't think about them in that way, and that's true. Is because these medications, these medications that we prescribe, they are not addressing the underlying problem, the thing that the source, that the, the the source that's driving this whole entire disease process. All they're doing is covering it up. And my concern with this, for 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 all of these lifestyle diseases, really, if we cover it up with the with the pill alone or the surgery alone, we're doing patients a disservice. If they are coming into us and they're saying, hey, everything's fine, you're taking your high blood pressure medication and your blood pressure isn't high, things are not fine if they haven't changed the reason they had high blood pressure in the first place. Because if you haven't addressed that behavior and lifestyle, if you haven't gone back to fundamental lifestyle change, all those drugs are doing is buying you time until the pressure builds up behind them, in which case you need another drug or you need another surgery or something else. And so what what uh, he seems to be advocating, I don't want to be putting any words in his mouth and I'm sort of reading what he's re- what he has written and kind of adding my own spin to it as we go through this is you know you use them as a temporizing measure. You use the drugs if you have to to temporize while people address the symptoms or the source of the problem through behavior and lifestyle. And once that has been addressed, people are either exercising, they're changing their diet, they're you know losing weight, uh, they're stopping smoking. Um, as they get better through their health, as they improve their health, then you back off on the medication. Now, um, it, he was talking about the stroke risk. Now, again, there's a risk of stroke with atrial fibrillation. But if you're addressing the what has caused that atrial fibrillation, the window uh, into your body, as he called it, uh, because it's re- kind of tied with everything, brain, blood, pressure, all that stuff. If you're addressing that, the source of that, uh, you know, using that atrial fibrillation is an early warning indicator that's saying, hey, something's wrong here. And we improve that, those, meaning we go after exercise, eating right, weight management, etc. You're not only treating atrial fibrillation. But you're going to improve high blood pressure. You're going to improve diabetes, particularly type 2 diabetes. We're going to address chronic inflammation in the body, which is a source for a lot of these, you know, is the, uh, called the fingertip of God on how these disease processes really get carried through your body. Um, and he also talks about hyperlipidemia, which is, you know, your, your cholesterol, blood fats and stuff like that. So, you know, what... You know, thinking this way as a cardiologist, the way he thought about his cardiologist really upends the role of atrial fibrillation, right? Because if you're thinking about this as a symptom and that you want to address the source and you're just tempering that system while we're talking about the source, uh, you're no longer just prescribing pills and you're no longer just burning people's hearts with these atrial fibrillation surgeries. You're actually going to try to help them improve so they get better. 
over time. Um, he has a great point in here, though. He talks about that patients who choose to have this atrial fibrillation ablation, when they go in and they, they you know, they, they literally, they, they put these little catheters up into your right atria and your heart, okay? So this is not a non-invasive process. And then they do these small burns where they kind of cauterize little channels throughout the heart. Uh, people walk into the hospital to have those done. That means they can walk, right? And if you can walk, it means you can exercise. Uh, but in this process, which is, you know, it's a long time, two to three hours of general anesthesia, having been involved in similar cases, it is not fun. Um, they get popped or poked in the legs to go up these, thread these catheters up through the body. And there's, it's not only expensive, he's quoting a price of $100,000, uh, but high risk, five to 7% risks associated with these procedures. And he then noted, which I didn't know, that repeat procedures. Again, this is, you're just treating a symptom. Uh, it, these are not necessarily curative, uh, but one in four people re require repeat procedures. And um, he's, then he said, when, even if the, the, this particular procedure is done well, uh, the long-term success for it is um, five times less for patients that don't do you know, don't address those behavior and lifestyle excesses in their lives. I mean, if they just go in and you have this procedure done, um, you know, two, two people, one person has it done and, and just says, oh, I'm cured now. I don't have to do anything and goes back to their old life. Right. And the other person goes in and says, ah, oh, I had this done. Um, but you know what? I'm going to actually take care of myself. So I prevent this from happening again. Those people who do not change the behavior and lifestyle uh, have five times less success than those who do. All right. Uh, now, the last part of this article is uh, he talks about some of the challenges here. And these are challenges not just in heart health. There's the challenges with basically our health system in, in general as these expensive procedures, right? These expensive procedures. So hospitals spend millions of dollars creating these these fancy labs so that they can do all these fancy procedures and burn in the heart. Um, we have ambulatory surgery centers. So we can do more surgeries, supposedly faster, quicker, more convenient for you, et cetera, um, because they make a ton of money, all right? Um, make a lot of money. And I, and I have no problem with people making money. Absolutely not. I don't have any problem with that. I don't think that there's, uh, we should have caps on anything. I don't think that people who make a lot of money are evil. The people who are evil are the people who, who prey on others um, for financial gain. Okay. So really, if you are, if you are providing value, if you are helping improve people, if you may helping them get uh, better lives, if you're helping them actually address the source of a problem rather than just treating a symptom in, in knowingly or not misleading them, um, I think those people should be very, paid very well versus the people who will just push for surgeries and push for, for doing these procedures because they pay a lot of money um, and, and abuse people. And unfortunately, the current medical system does not, uh, does not, uh, reimburse value. Okay. They reimburse doing. And as we've talked about multiple times on straight shot health talk, um, when it comes to medicine, a lot of the doing that we do not only doesn't fix things again, we're just, we're just, they're very expensive band-aids slapped onto something while the wound is festering underneath it. Um, but they lead to abuses because when you are encouraged to do something as a physician, right? 
and you come between and you have a choice to make between doing and not doing, but knowing that by doing, you will get paid to do so, uh, even if it is, uh, whether it's appropriate or not. And particularly if a patient's saying, I really want this to have this done, um, you are more in line to have to go down that down road and say, well, you know what? It may not do anything. This procedure um, I, I, maybe is not the perfect indication, but the patient really wants me to do it. And there's there's these sort of kind of maybe sort of I can sort of think maybe there's an indication for it. You are much, much, much more likely to do that procedure or surgery um, if you are going to get paid, particularly if you're going to get paid well to do it um, than not. Right. And we like to think somehow that we make all these decisions independently and money has no influence on our lives and self, you know, the benefit to ourselves has nothing. We make the chooses and, and physicians will stand up and we'll say, oh, no, I don't. I swore my Hippocratic oath and et cetera. And we're never going to I'd never make that. That never enters my mind. And I will tell you, frankly, that's a bunch of BS. All right. Because um, if you actually look into the study of how we think, uh, we are biased in all sorts of stuff that we do. And these biases to treat, particularly biases to get for our own personal gain, are prominent. All right. We often don't recognize them. Uh, we don't think that they, are, they occur in us. But I'm telling you, they do. And if you're a physician listening to this, is to actually recognize that that bias is inherent into us and not fight it, not say, oh, no, you're wrong and you're crazy, et cetera. If you, I mean, if you don't want to believe me, that's fine. Um, but I would advise you to go into some of the actual research and data behind how we make our decisions uh, and the effect of subconscious biases on those decisions that we make because it is very, very fascinating, a little bit scary, um, but really we should understand that, that we have those biases to begin with. You know, hospitals are biased. The hospitals are biased to perform these things because hospitals are trying to make money as well. Even the not-for-profit hospitals make a hell of a lot of money. They have people that they pay a lot of money to, and those people also want to maintain their very high salaries. So they try to maximize reimbursement. There are whole organizations that talk about how ways that you can deliver healthcare economically uh, in or in efficient ways and increasing your reimbursement by seeing more patients and blah, 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 doing this and this and this. Again, those are not value-based modalities, but they're money-based modalities, trying to suck as much money out of a system, not necessarily looking at the outcomes. Does this mean that doctors are bad? No, it doesn't. Doctors are just human. But what it does mean, if you really want to take care of yourself, it really comes through the things that you can do for you and not what doctors can do to you. Um, and I sort of went off topic there <laughs> because really what I wanted to talk about here was really this is this fantastic article is basically saying, you know, I, I think this is becoming more prominent. Maybe it's because of the way that our healthcare system is just getting just it's just getting crushed here. Um, but there are more and more physicians recognizing and are publishing and talking to everyone that the fact of the matter is, is a lot of stuff that we're treating in medicine is not the disease itself. It's more of a symptom of the prior process. And if we actually address the source that's causing this, and oftentimes that doesn't require drugs that you are gone for the rest of your life, and that doesn't require $100,000 surgeries with 7% risk of, of comp complications such as stroke or, um, you know, permanent pacemaker implant, or et cetera. Um, then in, if we actually focus on this, 
not only are we going to treat whatever that num that symptom in this case atrial fibrillation is, but we're going to treat all the other downstream processes. So if you are addressing behavior and lifestyle, we're going to be addressing chronic disease in general. That includes atrial fibrillation. That includes things like diabetes. That includes things like high blood pressure, peripheral vascular disease, etc. All these things that are driving so much of our healthcare expenses. If we actually go after the source, we can improve that. Now, how do you do that? Again. <laughs> in medicine, we're not very good about that. Uh, and I will, I really need to do this. I'm going to talk about that habit change, uh, how to actually change behavior, uh, which we do not learn in medical school. Um, and how do we actually address it effectively on an individual basis? Uh, it will be a topic for another episode. But until then, I would advise you to check out this particular piece. It is, uh, let me give you the full thing. It's called Atrial Fibrillation Care. Uh, put the catheter and prescription pad down. That's by Dr. John Mandrola, who's an exercise physiologist, and it is available at nmedscape.com. I will have a direct link to it on the website at straightshothealth.com. And if you have any questions about this, be sure to let me know because uh, I'm always interested in the com comments that people have and people's uh, take on what it is that we're discussing. All right, everybody. Until next time, stay well. <laughs>